So a libertarian and a monarchist walk into a bar. Wait, if I'm the monarchist, what does it make you? I'm just confused here. <laughs> He's gesturing to the thing on the wall. I think it's some kind of socialist symbol. What oh, could for... that be? What could that be? At this be, point, my... the bartender says, get out. <laughs> the bartender says, the whole bar stops and they're just like, get out. <laughs> yeah, you tell this joke when too many times, get out. Time to leave. The bartender's I... like totally chill, doesn't say anything. He's like, yeah, everything's great out. Get out. And then everything goes back to normal. <laughs> and I just leave the bar and say, yeah. all right, let's get this show on the road. Cricky, get the bags. Where the hell is my pen? <laughs> There it is. Intro. And welcome one and all on YouTube and in podcast land. You are listening to the Tangent Kings. Oh, roll it. Everybody and welcome once again to the Tangent Kings. I am your, of course, your favorite and humble servant, G. Michael Francis, and I am here with my partner in crime, my libertarian who thinks he's a Marxist, Mr. JJ Banks. How are you doing tonight, sir? I I thought I was a monarchist, not a Marxist. Oh man! I said monarchist. No, you said it's not my answer. Like you said Marxist, and I'm just like I'm a Marxist monarchist. I bet that hasn't been done before. <laughs> Let's see all the firsts that I've coined. I, I've pioneered smoking in a pipe out of t- smoking tea out of a pipe, which I didn't. I'm the first monarchist Marxist, which I'm not. And I'm the first to wear this Wario cap on film, a TV show, which I'm also not. So I'm totally the most humblest, awesomest, most handsomest. <laughs> podcaster podcast land. i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> i don't even know either <laughs> all right <laughs> what do we got on the show tonight mike well besides the res- reversal of roles where i'm drinking the strong stuff and you're drinking the dipply peppily you know i always called it deep pep well today we're gonna use my terms well comrade i thought it was our terms Oh, because the joke is we're all communists. Ha! Ha! That wasn't that funny. Okay. There we go. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know you spoke Russian. That's awesome. I do a little, but that was French, you dumb. Yeah, dummy. Hey, don't they? Hey, uh, the French are only good for two things: making bread and surrendering to wars. Apparently, you've never heard of a man called Napoleon Bonaparte. He lost. And actually, actually, now that I think about it, <laughs> ultimately he did, but he nearly took, uh, he nearly, he actually pretty much took over the entire continent of Europe. Missed it by that much. Yeah. Haley's probably sharpening her pitchfork. She's like, oh, I'm not watching this episode. Yeah, but uh, now, interesting fact, though, Napoleon wasn't French. That doesn't surprise me, actually. <laughs> yeah, he was Corsican. Really? Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny. 
I was literally, obviously I'm Nick, I'm kidding about the French. Um, or am I? My friend uh, Will and I were discussing this last uh, night where we said, yeah, I said Stalin wasn't Russian. Hitler wasn't German. And now I find out that uh, Napoleon wasn't even French. Yeah, his birth name was Napoleone Buonaparte. Ooh. Try saying that five times fast. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to try. I'm just going to take your word for it. But yeah. But for those of you who don't know, Corsica is uh, an island off off of the west coast of Italy, which is basically they're Italians, essentially. Is that right by Sicily? No, 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 no. Sicily is south. Corsica is west. West? Yeah. Don't you mean west? Oh. West? What kind of compass are you reading, boy? That's West Patrick. The same, the, the same compass every man, woman, and child has been learning for the past 200 years, at least. Whoa, my hat is for wombology. I think I know what I'm talking about here, Mike. Throw me a bone. <laughs> anyway, so Napoleon isn't French. What else is on the agenda? Well, our friends at the Hudson Valley Anti-Fascist Network have put out something today, which I saw literally when I got up this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say the last bit I saw, uh, we did on them, I thought that was stretching it. And you haven't even seen this yet, so this is going to be a bit of a surprise for you, too. Banker's Raw Reacts! Boosh! 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 And we're also going to talk about something that came up in the coronavirus coronavirus relief package, which was also just passed by the House. Something about a $15 minimum wage over the next five years. It's supposed to increment up to that as as far as I understand it. Yeah, we should should talk about the the potential ramifications of what that means. Mm -hmm. And we're going to really put on our thicket caps tonight. And you'll find out when we get there. Ooh. And then we'll hit you with a quote from Socrates, and we'll call it a night. How does that sound? Well, I guess that sounds great. Let's get into it. Okay, so let's get right down into the nitty-gritty, shall we? The nitty-gritty! Why do I put up with you? Because I make you money, that's why. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> Give it time. Give it time, me boy. I'm doing this for free. Aren't you? Oh. Have, aren't we on Rumble? Aren't you like making like 15 cents like a minute for that over there? Not that I've seen. It's still pending. <sighs> well, it's in the process of making you money. Anyway, what do we got? Let's talk. What? Let's. We're gonna talk Antifa first. Well, yep, because uh, our friends at as I said, from the Hudson Valley Anti-Fascist Network have done it again. And uh, you may remember a couple episodes ago where we talked about their uh, they posted something about you know, fascist symbols at the Capitol riot. Yeah, I think so. I thought that was a bit of a stretch. Especially you, Mr. Banks. Take a look at 
this. What? Can you read the uh, thing that comes before it? All right. So Hudson Valley and Hudson Valley. That's like near the Hudson River, right? I think so. Yeah. No, it's not the Hudson Rivers in New York. I've, I I don't know my geography like this. I know where countries are and I know where islands are. That's about it. All right. So Nazi symbolism used now loud and clear by the conservative political action conference where Trump is a guest speaker and literally the political arm of the blatant white supremacists. The Odal rune was used by the Nazis, was also used by the National Socialist Movement, where uh, they're saying the stage looked like a Nazi symbol. A neo-Nazi symbol, yes. Uh, is that is that their is that what they're saying? That is what they're saying. That is basic, and you can see it in this picture here. They do realize they're copying. They're copying Q, right? Like this is what Q supporters do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. This is I literally mean, why. Why is it that the left is the always? Biggest, this is like the biggest stretch I've seen all year. <laughs> like, oh look, there, there's a a rune here, and there's a rune here, and of course they go on, and they uh... try to say that this is a rune. It looks more like a. It doesn't look like a rune. It looks like a room. Yeah. Oh, here, here comes my favorite what is, part. What is this? The National Socialist Movement. What? I don't know, but they then throw in CPAC. Odal rune. I'm gonna look this up right now. Okay, what the? Hell? I'm gonna look. This uh, up I right know now. an SS unit did use that as their insignia, but I I forgot which unit it was. I I think it may have been the the Viking. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Odal rune. Uh, is this Armenian? I don't. I don't have. To, I'll... It, it it was. It was used as a by the radical right. It's like it's like why are they so fixated on the radical right? It's like. It, it, it's it's silliness. They're what they're doing is the diverting attention from themselves. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, don't, don't look at us when we burn cities down. Uh, look at these guys standing out here, and oh, look at CPAC. Oh, these kind of match. Yeah, well, it's almost like it's it's like the boy who cried wolf with the boy, except the boy when people are like, oh no, look, the wolf's there, the wolf's there. Everyone looks where, and then the boy like unzips his face, and the wolf hops out and eats everyone. It's like, oh no, the wolf's over there. It's like, wait, you're the wolf. It's like, no, you're, I'm not the wolf. You're the wolf. Oh, holy smokes! This wolf telling us that he's not actually a wolf, but that I'm actually the wolf, even though I look nothing like a wolf. He must be true because obviously he's 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 a he's a host on CNN, so it must be true. It's like, <laughs> oh no! But this is just—I mean, this is like their evidence because so what they're saying is that their evidence is that this is an odal rune. It's like, yeah. is that all that is that all their evidence is? Yeah. That's that's basically their evidence. And if this is your if this is your evidence, I'm gonna post a thing. Uh, the the German Federal Republic mm-hmm. is still Nazi Germany. How? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You see, the Nazis they used the Königsgrätzer March, right? Yeah. And for those of you who don't know the uh, what the Königsgrätzer March is, um, Indiana Jones book burning scene. The march that's being played, that's the Königsgrätzer. Okay. 
Well. So it's, it's a song, you said, right? Yes. Okay, so they play a song, therefore it's basically... what. It, so the, the line of reasoning is that if the Nazi... Oh, the Nazis used it, therefore the symbol's racist. Or, or let me give you an example. Uh, the Nazis used it or had any, anything they used, right? Therefore, the music's racist, or the symbols racist, or the uniforms. Well, I'm racist, using the music. I'm using music for somewhat of a satire here. Oh, of course, yeah. But my point, but my point is, is that that's the line of argument that because yep. they use it, therefore it's Nazism and supports Nazism, and therefore it's racist or whatever it is. Which brings me to the full, my full point. Guess who else uses the Königsgrätzer March? The Bundeswehr. Okay. So the yeah the Bundeswehr, which is the German self defense force, which is the yep. the German National Army right now, which yep. um, yeah, and listen, I don't hear it. All right, starting over because apparently sound share didn't work. Keep going. Hey, Mike, I can hear it. Good. yeah we get the point so yeah 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 so the whole so the whole idea is just that if the if the german party in 1945 used it or whatever it is the the national social german workers party if they've used it there for anything at all so if antifa says oh well uh because the nazis used norse north mythology or north norse paganism or norse runes therefore north mythology or norse runes are therefore racist and it's like which actually brings another interesting point to my mind. Um, at Jimmy Aiken, who has a podcast, it's called Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. You know, they Ooh. discussed what exactly Hitler's religion was. Yeah. A lot of people say he was like a pagan. Other people say he was an atheist. Some people even say he was a Catholic, which, yeah, he was baptized, and that's pretty much where it ended. Mm -hmm. But uh, the term he eventually came up with, which I don't even think he came up with, but the, it's the one he shared on the platform. It's... Uh, this is going to use a lot of twenty dollars words, and I've already taken a few a few sips of my uh, whiskey there, so this is probably going okay. to get butchered. Uh, why am I blanking on it? I, I should know this. It's pseudo scientific evolutionary pantheism, and if you want the full definition of that, you can go check out Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. Look for Hitler's religion. You can get the explanation there because I'm not going to uh, can you, go into can that. You can you say that one more time? Okay. Pseudo-scientific evolutionary pantheism. Oh, God, Banks. I'm happy you just said my favorite word in the world. Will you just turn that off? Thank you. Pseudo-scientific Norse pantheism. Oh. Evolutionary pantheism. Oh, I love it when you say that. The only two words that I love more than those four you just said are Denny Crane. Ooh, Denny Crane. He's a character from Boston Legal, but played by William Shatner. Does anybody just stop and does does anybody just stop? I, I think people do. Does anybody just stop and say anything? They all they need to do is just come up with some kind of misconstrued reasoning and just declare like we're like it's like we need to make sure this is racist. So look for evidence somewhere does antifa just sit there watching cpac watching it not even hearing anything anybody is saying and just sitting there probably loaded on dipply peply uh do they just sit there and just like okay we have to find some way to make it seem like these guys are actually nazis mm -hmm. 
Oh, I, I found I it. Imagine. Oh, man. It's like, oh, is, so that's the whole post, though, right? It's like, oh, it's a Nazi symbol. Therefore, the conservatives are Nazis. And it's like, okay. This is where I just shake my head and laugh. That's all I can do. I mean, I, I was actually almost in tears when I saw it. I was laughing so hard. It's like, like oh, they're I, it's like they're gas grasping at straws. Oh, 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 see, 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 white supremacists drink milk. So therefore, if you drink milk, you're a freaking Nazi. I'm like, what? <laughs> and actually, oh, that reminds me. I didn't quite finish my point from earlier. Um. Contrary to popular belief, no, Hitler wasn't a pagan. Yeah, like I said, I, I listed off all those $20 words and we went off on the tangent because we're, a, we're the tangent, tang, uh, tangent kings, good lord. Um, How much have you had to drink, Mike? Only a couple sips. <laughs> only a couple sips of what? Um, it's the Christian Brothers Apple Brandy. Oh, those are rookie numbers. We got to pump those numbers up. Yes, well, I can't afford to get drunk like some people. Uh, we are going to get copyright strike, and I'm not even editing that in. You can't copyright strike sound effects? Yes, you can. You I can? found that out the hard way. You know what's funny? You know what's funny, though? Before, uh, First, I'm going to finish my point. Hitler actually used to mock Himmler because he was a pagan. Now I have to censor a flippin' sound effect you play on your phone. Achievement unlocked. Good lord. Mike has to edit. Achievement unlocked. There you go. Copyright strike sound effects? I don't buy that. No, it's funny. Uh, when I tried to, to make a YouTube channel years ago, yeah. No, I was doing a dissection of the Soviet national anthem. I got copyright striked on the Soviet national anthem. How much of it did you play? Well, the whole thing. Oh, that's why. Uh, over three videos. Oh. And I still got copyright strike. Uh, I guess the company I mean, is like their money. I mean, that's think a... about this. I, I'm like, wow, irony. I'm getting copyright strike. For playing the Soviet national anthem, the anthem of a communist nation which does not believe in private property. Hey, can you remind me what that sound like? Which one the Soviet national anthem is again? Well, I'm not this going to sing it. That one, and I think that's it. the version I use too. I, on my phone, I have a button called communism button. Ah, oh, it's a stupid ad. F your ad, man. It's basically this big red button. You just push it. It goes, Bleep! Say you said I did. Then you hold it up, and then it shuts off. First I of all, have, first of all it's Soyuz Niroshimi. Uh, Mike, Mike, I'm butchering it on purpose for what's called, wait for it. Satire. Comedic, comedic effect. Oh. In that case, we both bombed. Um, no, I, I was about to be fine, and then you interrupted the timing. <laughs> Dang it, Mike. Oh, geez, I finally, I've been cracking jokes all night. I finally got a chuckle out of this chuckle nuts over here. Oh. Jeez. 
Judas Priest, Mike, lighten up! I'm not even drinking and I'm yelling! Well, I can't even yell because my, my kids are trying to sleep. My wife is trying to sleep. Yeah, that's a problem. And I think I've already breached that rule already. Breached the rule! Living on a prayer! Oh, have fun! Anyway, so we got... Um, so, Hantifa just... I'm happy we reacted to that level of absurdity. We need to expose the level of absurdity. I, yeah, it's it's like do, do you... sanitize it with a flashlight. I mean, yeah, you you could probably do some genuine critiques on actual conservative mm. talking points. They don't listen that's to conservative. Dia- that's how dialogue works. They don't want dialogue, and they don't that listen. That is true. To, they don't listen to conservative talking points. They don't want to. And, right? and you know, it's irony. You know, the the anti-fascist network. <laughs> are employing the tactics of the fascists yeah the actual fascists from history I, and, and i should also say fascists and national socialists and i wonder if some of them actually know that um and just and uh because they I, don't care they don't yeah. care it in their a lot of these people's minds there's this attitude of your the moral thing to do is to win Right. And so if you don't win, you're immoral. Right. And if the only moral thing to do is, in fact, win, then any means necessary to win and get into power is completely justified in pursuit of, in fact, winning. So they don't care if it's effective, they'll use it. That's 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 the thought process. So the guys at the top that are these that are these collected people who are very like smart people who know how to control populations of, of people these smaller individuals they know how to do this stuff they're going to keep trying things until they find out what's most effective and just repeat that process till they get what they want yep how can you get everyone to comply with the mask mandate make it required by the government and enforce it at the point of a gun and we're not even going to follow those rules Right, it's that's how power works. It's rules for thee and not for me. Yep, you know, right? yeah, you all need to stay home, cower in a corner, wear a mask. Now, excuse me, while I go over to the French Laundry to have a meal. Right, because they get off to it. They are these kinds of people, right, that are like, wow, I'm really excited. I got everyone to do something, and I don't have to buy by those rules. Gosh, I'm so hot. This is so good. And it's like this—that's the euphoria, right? that you can control people by getting them to jump through your hoops with through your frame of mind. That's what's going on. And a lot of these people on the lower level, these, these lowest lows, low level thuggish enforcers, it's effective what they're doing and they're getting the results they want. So they keep doing it. And the Democrats know from a, from a political perspective, who's going to stop them. Nothing short of divine intervention is going to stop these people. Like, I don't even know. I, I don't, they're in control of everything. They literally run everything. But they cannot control those who will not let them. There's a quote by Dan. Uh, Dan Bongino said this uh, at CPAC, and I was a really good re- it was a reminder of this really good quote. I don't remember which Roman poet had said this, but it went something to the effect that let me quote it for you here. <clears throat> I'm yelling too much. I'm straining my vocal cords. But the uh, Aeneas, who was a Roman poet in the time of the early Republic, he said, quote, the victor is not victorious if the vanquished does not consider himself so. So it doesn't matter how much you lose 
if the vanquished doesn't consider themselves defeated, they're going to keep going. They're going to keep going. So as the victor, you have to humiliate and destroy and break his spirit and his ability to fight back. And as soon as he finally realizes that I am vanquished, he's done. He's absolutely done. And that's the key. That's why the Japanese kept fighting on so long um, in uh, the Pacific, right? Mm -hmm. They did not consider themselves vanquished, so they kept fighting. Even when they were beat, they kept going. So did the Germans. Um, yeah, until you had 12-year-olds firing off Panzerfaust. Right. Ah, Hans, grab the stick. Oh, Hans is dead. Oh, Fritz, give me the Panzerfaust. Oh, Fritz is dead, too. Well, I guess I'm fine. Ah! So you, that's exactly what happened. They wouldn't. They did not consider themselves vanquished, um, and Hitler kept making them fight. And then the Russians were like, "You want to just shell Berlin?" And he's like, "Duh, fire at will." But anyway, that's that's the whole point. So um, they're going to keep pushing until they get a reaction. Yeah, and by the way, the B twenty nine bomber had four engines. Oh, cool! We found that out. Yeah. Well, Ooh. I said it in last episode, but. Uh... Uh, you were talking at the same time, so. <laughs> what a surprise. You did say that. But the B-29, that's the Super Fortress, right? That was like the late Yeah, th war. that was the Super Fortress. That thing was in service for a while, wasn't it? I don't remember how long it was in service, to be honest. <laughs> it's always in service. <laughs> but um, so we got that. What's um, And the next thing we were going to talk about was uh, this bill that they want to pass in the federal... <laughs> federal real, real government well yeah i mean it it already passed the house from what i understand you know i may have read the news wrong uh, or maybe i'm thinking of a different bill uh, uh this this agenda was actually sort of thrown to uh, together at the last minute really because we were expecting to do something else but then that sort of got canceled at the last minute so i'm trying to scramble to get things together so i can't quite get the material i want but as i understand it the latest coronavirus relief bill did pass the House and it went to the Senate. And in that bill is an increase of the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour over the next five years. So let's break that down. So this is the thought that I had right before the show. So I want to talk about minimum wage for a second here. So the perspective is that what people want more of, right? People want more buying power with their money. They want to be able to not only buy enough groceries, they also want to be able to pay their auto bill, be able to pay, they want to be in a position where their jobs offs, more offset the cost of living. So they get more of a financial margin to be able to do things they want to do spend the money on the things they want to do. Like say they want to buy luxury goods. They have more of an ability to do that. Whatever it is, whether you're good with money or bad money, everybody wants more buying power, right? The perspective is that, and what's being said is that if we just give people more money, that'll increase their buying power. What's brought up many, many, many times by a lot of people is that when you force businesses to pay people more, right? You're not... You're, you're basically saying if, if your work is only in terms of value, right, is only this valuable, like we pay you to do this service and you generate value to the company that can be used that excess is reinvested into the company and not only uses, used for more infrastructure, 
It's also used to pay payroll for the rest of the staff. It's used to grow the company so that more people can be hired. It can be so that more better implements can be upgraded. So the excess off someone's labor is reused to grow everybody's job up. And so that excess as well, right? So say you get paid $10 an hour, but you create $100 worth of value for 10 hours, right? You get like, paid $10 an hour for 10 hours, that's 100 bucks. You only made 100 bucks, but you create $1,000 worth of value. That excess keeps the company going. That's how the company can operate. It's just mm-hmm. like when you sell a product, right? When you sell a product for five bucks, or if, say it's a, if you, it took you five bucks to make a product, but um, you sell it for $50, right? Those $45, you can use that to reinvest into the company and lets you pay for manufacturing fees. It also means that if you, if that employee, for example, say I generate, it's $10 an hour and I generate you $100 worth of value and you really need them, say, you know what? I'm going to pay you $20 an hour because you do such an effing great job. So that means you can increase the wages of all your employees too. So that's how that works, right? But when Mm -hmm. you say to the employee, you know what? You're going to do the same amount of work instead of you creating all this excess value, I'm going to make you get paid more. That excess value gets shrunken rapidly. When the federal government comes in and starts telling people you could only make this, you you have to make more, right? It doesn't increase the value of what you're making. It's just saying that you're you're forcing companies to have a monetary value to it. So what this means is the businesses say, we have this margin that we operated out of. Now it's so tight and so tense. We can't, we're, we're losing money every month. And if we're losing money every month, we can't afford to keep the lights on. So what do we do? Well, a couple ideas. Yeah, we start firing people. You start firing people. This is the reason why a lot of people aren't full-time anymore. Yeah. Um, because and, and you can't hire anybody else because you, no. you're losing all that, ex- that that excess profit. Right, that's exactly right. I mean, it was it was before the Obama administration. Most people had one full time job. Now, most a lot of people I know have two part time jobs because at a certain point, with uh, it's it, I don't know if it still is, but for a long time, a lot of companies you're you're required you're legally required to pay your employees benefits if they're working a certain amount of hours. So it's like, well, we can't afford it. Not every company is in a position to have enough financial margin to pay employees benefits. Um, not I all. I mean, certainly them. the big corporations. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all, the big corporations are even behind this or are supportive of this minimum wage hike. Why? Cause it drives out the small businesses. Yes, it does. And that's the key. Um, Walmart and target, and a lot of these big corporations, they can afford to do this stuff because they have an enormous amount of financial margin. It's like a road bump to them. But these small businesses, they can't afford that because they have such they have much smaller margins. So not only my point was that they had to um, give people benefits. A lot of these companies can't afford this. These smaller companies can't do that. So most people just have they have to have a higher bunch of part time workers. Well, what happens as well is when you start increasing the minimum wage even more, you, what you have to do is you fire people, people get laid off. And what happens, not only do people get laid off, but you also have to cut back on people's hours. Imagine it this way. Oh, you're making more per hour, right? But you only work 10 hours a week or 15 hours a week. Yeah, so and not you, to mention raising prices. Correct, yeah. That's the other side of it too, is that the price isn't just, it's not some arbitrary price that a bunch of greedy capitalists put on the on the product the price is a return on is literally a return on investment for the company they're sinking a certain amount into it 
to make a return on investment so they can make more out of it so they can reinvest that and grow their business, right? It's not some kind of just crony capitalist thing about it, right? Or it's not, it's not done duplicitously because if something's too expensive, people won't buy it. So then they have, they have to drop the price so they can sell it. My point is, is that with, with, with regards to that is if it's too costly to keep employees, then you have to automate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, so overall what ends up happening is prices go up, people's hours get slashed, their benefits, um, they they work so few hours so that they don't get benefits and it, it just strains everything more all for the appearance that people are becoming more prosperous or that they have more buying power when long-term they will not, um, I'll give you a brief a historical example, um, before the, uh, Bolsheviks took over in, uh, Russia, uh, during the years of the Russian Empire, um, as an appeasement thing, um, the Tsar and his administration, um, people were demanding higher wages, and he said, "So let's give that. Let's give them um, a wage increase." Which was like, "Okay, that's fine," and people were really happy with it. But what had happened is that the cost of living, right, almost right after that, went up as well. So this extra value that they got was offset. So it's like I literally gained nothing. It's almost like it's which like, has been happening to us since literally the nineties. Yeah, that my, it's almost like an accordion, right? Yeah. And this is the problem: is that I'm going to increase my, I'm going to pull the accordion out more this way, right? It's like, oh, that's an improvement. But then you push it more this way, so it completely offsets. So it's like you're still in the same margin percentage, and that's my whole point. People aren't talking about this stuff. Yeah, which it's an interesting food for thought. You know, the minimum wage, I think, in like 1990, 1991, or somewhere in there. Uh, uh, basically, time timeline of the first five nights at Freddy's. Uh, I, that's the only way I could think of it. I forgot yeah. what year that took place, but the the minimum wage for that year was like four dollars and odd cents an hour. Yeah, but of course, you know when you had that increase, it's like initially, oh great, I get more money. Well, suddenly everything starts to cost more because you have yeah. to offset that. And yeah, and that's I'm just going back on what you just said. Right, that's exactly right. So, and people don't really. I think I think a lot of people don't want who support this don't want to understand that. It's like I want I. Personally speaking, I want you to have more buying power, but the solution you're trying to implement is going to make your situation worse for you. And that's not going to help. And it's secondly, make here, the situation worse for all of us, for everybody. Yeah. And they don't, and people, some people just don't want to understand that they think I, if I just adamantly insist, it's true. And I, I don't want to argue with me. It's just true. It's true. It's true. It doesn't help. You're, you're making the world a worse place because of that. But here's another point I wanted to make too, is if you, um, what people don't understand, 95% of people don't understand is, do you know, Mike, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, so job is actually an acronym. Do you know what it stands for? No. Just over broke. Fitting. And I heard that by an entrepreneur. Um, his name is Richard Cooper. He runs a YouTube channel called Entrepreneurs and Cars. When I heard that, that pissed me off, but it's true. When yeah. you work as an employee or even self-employed, you are just making enough to just, you're barely making enough as it is. Even when you make a lot more money, usually your cost of living goes up because you expand and then you're still in the same margin you were at a hundred thousand dollars when you're making only $50,000, right? People have this perception and it's not necessarily incorrect, but we've been, a lot of people have been conditioned this way for thousands of years is that if I just have a better job, everything will get better, which in a lot of ways it will, but if I just make more money, then everything's going to be better. And the problem isn't that you need to be making more money. 
what you need is passive income, right? You need, you need other things or other sources of revenue, which I can get in, I won't get into. But my point is, is that what, there's this perception that they say, I can just keep doing my minimum wage McDonald's job, right? I'm not adding any more value to the company. I'm not going up the ladder and creating more value for people, either at my store or franchise or whole big chain or the region, right? Or I'm not upgrading my skill set. Say I want to go to college and get a certain skill set so I can get a better job. Or I want to take a bunch of online classes at a financial education group so I can be an accountant or personal education, right? So I can develop a skill so I can have a higher paying job. What this kind of thing does is I want to work the bare, like do something where I have a minimum wage job and I make nothing, but I want to get more money out of it. It's like basically you're, 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 what people Which are Which actually, now that I think about it, it just sort of popped into my mind. And I, I had this thought a few uh, a few weeks ago, but mm-hmm. it sort of popped afresh, it popped in my mind afresh. If you increase the wage you know, to $15 an hour, that's about the average uh, starting factory worker job. Yeah. Uh, factory worker wage. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's actually close to my wage, uh, what I make as a factory worker. Mm-hmm. When you do that, you get rid of the incentive to look uh, to do harder jobs like or industry jobs. Yeah. Or, or industry or plumbing. So you have yeah. all these people going to the retail because they're going to get $15 anyway. Well, then who's going to who's going to man the, the lathe? Who's right. The welder. Yeah. That, and that's my whole point is that. I want people to make enough money, but what, what people don't understand, this is the problem with the Marxist worldview. The Marxist worldview assumes that everybody is intrinsically good under everything, right? And that human beings are not intrinsically selfish. Human beings are intrinsically selfish. We care about our own needs before other people's needs because that's how it works. If you can't feed somebody else if you're starving. It's not an unethical principle. It's how life works. If yeah. you someone, you, you went so of Matt. Yeah, it, it's, you know, remove the plank from, sorry. It's yeah. remove the plank from your own eye before you worry about the splinter in another person's eye. Exactly. You can't help someone. Like if you're poor, you can't help someone else get rich if you're not, you don't have this margin yourself, right? Because what you give comes out of your heart. It comes out of your mind. It comes out of your internal reality, right? What comes out is what's in your internal reality. You have to fix and deal with your internal reality. And then the outside changes. It's not the outside is fixed and then everything changes in here. No, you have to deal with this first. So my point, or like if you're in a plane, the oxygen mask pops down, you put it on your own face and then you help someone else. So you have enough oxygen and they have enough oxygen. Oh, now they can breathe. I'm dead. You, you're making it worse. That's my point. Um, so with, so with the, these minimum wage jobs, I don't think anybody wants anybody to s- starve to death, right? But no, what you I have mean, to understand- None of us want anybody to starve to death. Right, but my whole point is, is that a lot of people, if they feel like life is just good enough, it's it, they're like, I said, I'm gonna just settle for just mediocre stuff because it means I don't need to work very hard, and I'm just gonna settle for it. But I want to be, I want to feel like I'm making more progress. Like I want riches, but I don't want to put the work in to do it. Yeah, they want to have their cake and eat it. That's exactly it. It's like if you want the ch- if you want to climb the peak of the mountain, you have to become a mountain climber and learn how to climb it, right? You don't just say, "Well, 
I should just be given it, right? Because I'm, I, I look like this, or I believe this certain thing, or I'm cert- a certain group. My whole point is, is that in general, evil comes from the desire of wanting the unearned in a lot of ways. Stefan Molyneux pointed that out. So with this, with, with a lot of these entry-level jobs, that the, okay, the minimum wage goes up fine, but, you, but it's like you're not developing yourself as a person. Secondly, a, with these minimum wage jobs, these aren't career jobs. Like people think you have to have a career at being, being a, a cashier at McDonald's. Like these aren't career jobs. And the reason oftentimes, not always, but there, and people say, well, they can't get better jobs. Like you have to factor in personal responsibility. Why can't people get a better job than working as a cashier? Maybe because, well, because they're oppressed. It's like, it's not because they're oppressed. Stop, stop deflecting from the issue. Oftentimes, the reason why people can't get better jobs is because they haven't taken the time to learn a skill set or change the, here's an idea, change the circle, change the circle of friends you're around. Or as another cause, a a certain representative might chase away a hundred thousand jobs from her district. Not Looking at you, AOC. Not that we are naming names, but we're totally naming Too names. Late. <laughs> Too late. Of course, that might be the. Uh, Too late, heretic. <laughs> Sorry, my wife just walked out of the bedroom. Uh, did, she, did she just walk and be like this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got. We have to find a different day to record, Mike, so that we 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 have time to work on a subject. And we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, we were so, but, going um, so well too. Uh, yeah, but that my whole but that's my whole point is that not your fault, honey. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So my whole point is just my whole point was just I want people to succeed. I want people to be wealthy. I want people to be succeed in life. I want them to do that's really right. really well. That's right. But what what the necessary thing, the necessary ingredient for that is you have to have the personal. You have to learn how to take personal responsibility. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and saying I what's going on in my life right now is the result of not only my own thinking right now, but the decisions I made. And I had, in, in order to be successful, you have to accept and own up to the fact that you make mistakes and you've probably wasted most of your life right now. Up to this point, not everyone has, you have to own up to your mistakes and the things you've did that have either wasted your life that haven't been fulfilling, right? You have to acknowledge where you've gone wrong, Right in order to get to the point where you can start focusing on doing it right. Because if you, if you feel, if you, if you act as if I've never done anything wrong, nothing's my fault. It's everyone else's fault. If I have no sin, right? Number one, you have no need for any kind of forgiveness, but there's also nothing to correct because you think you're infallible, right? Versus say as an entrepreneur, as a entrepreneurial perspective, I made mistakes. Here's what I learned. Let's do better, right? Because if you're really scared of your mistakes, you're going to pretend you didn't make, and you're, if you're really, someone who's scared of their mistakes is going to pretend they don't exist, right? But someone who says, yeah, like, yeah, versus the developed the attitude I developed is I made the mistake. I stop and I say, okay, what did I learn? And the mistake is necessary to learn that thing, right? At work. And, and here, especially when you're just coming off it, that, that's the hardest lesson, but it, it's the biggest payoff. Right. And that's it. And that's kind of the, the two paths people are, I've always kind of gravitated on, right? Do I take the easy road that is ultimately less fulfilling, right? And leads to a miserable life? 
where it's fun at first and then it's miserable or do you take the harder road where it's, it's harder to go to, but you get a great reward after it and you're ultimately longer fulfilled. That's the whole, that's the whole decision people make. So specifically with the main raise of minimum wage, I don't want people to starve obviously, but increasing the minimum wage isn't going to help people more. It's going to give people, it's, it's, it's a system where it's basically incentivizing people to sit and not do anything. It's going to incentivize them to more to sit still, sit in place. Um, and, and I don't, I don't think, it's a question of people not looking past first base. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Okay. Essentially, we have two options here. Mm-hmm. We can keep going with the status quo, which, you know, there is some merit to the argument. You know, it's kind of hard to live off of 736 an hour. I get mm-hmm. it. I worked at Dollar General for two years. But on the other hand, you just hike up the minimum wage. That, that's going to get canceled out within one or two years, and you're just back to square one. Right. And then so people say, well, I'm, I'm thinking, and especially if you're one of the un- unlucky ones who gets laid off, well, now you just went from 7.36 an hour to zip. Yeah. Well, then and then people would make the argument, so let's just make the state run it. It's like, if the state runs everything, that- Yeah, they, yeah. Go, go to the DMV and try to get a renewed uh, license and see right. if you want that running your business. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's a good example. Another, but here, let me, I'll put it this way too. If you want the state to run everything, everything, be, the whole system becomes arbitrarily meaningless it, because the state gets to redefine everything. But also, I want to go, I'll go into more specifics uh, in another episode, but my whole point is that that makes it even worse. Um, I'll quote some Milton Freeman and we'll explain this and we'll figure it out. But my whole point is that it's we can most people can kind of agree there's a problem on something what we need to figure out is we need to ask ourselves what's the solution to the problem and let's figure out what's the best one is versus like well let's have an argument for 5 minutes i'm losing the argument and i'm just going to scream at you until you and, get off the stage and nothing gets solved yeah and then the only people left in the room are the people that well now we scared away all the all the people that knew better let's implement our system what's your system we're going to just chop everyone's heads off and it's like, yay, that's the French Revolution. Yeah. And I did come up with a theory along that line, but it even scares the pants off of me. So I am not going to share it. Oh, now you're leaving me in suspense. Yeah, well. That's how it goes. But uh, which actually brings us to another, uh, our final point of the evening, you know. And, you know, I want to bring up an interesting question. Okay. So obviously, I guess there is some merit to, you know, a, 736 an hour is not a living wage. And even mm-hmm. the Catholic uh, the Catholic Church teaches that all are entitled to a living wage. Mm-hmm. So how can we achieve this without using the jackboot of Congress or the jackboot of the state? Yeah, it's interesting you mention that because it's what what it seems to be is that people point the pattern seems to be Everybody gets, it's like the media gets really upset about something and then a bunch of people get upset. The voter base gets upset and then the activists get really, really upset. And then they say, it's all bad, it's all bad, it's all bad. And they say, the solution is this. Or they don't really talk about the solution. They just talk about the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem. They don't talk about the solution very often. When they do, because they don't, they, when they say, when they start actively talking about here's a solution to it, it makes people nervous so people back away or it gets, it looks unpopular. So you, all you do is just keep talking about the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem, the problem, right? And how bad things are. 
right? So people, and then you implement the solution and then you say, the only solution is just increase the government's power. The government is the only thing that it can, that can save us. So pass a law, Congress has to save it or the president has to fix it or the Supreme Court has to go to the Supreme Court and get approved. So it's like the solution is always increase the government's power or the government has to pass a solution. So then it'll appease everyone. Um, and the, and the, there's this perspective that the government can fix anything and everything. Um, when it can't, the, the government isn't this genie in a bottle. If you have that attitude, it's going to, you're going to, that genie in a bottle is going to handcuff you and make you its slave. It might kiss your butt for a little bit and say, oh, you're so good. You're so wise. It's going to eat you. It's like, it's like the, the Norse myth of um, Loki's children, Fenrir, that you've got this little pup that seems innocent, but it grows up into something so big. Um, and then it eats you. Specifically, I believe it eats the sun in North in uh, Ragnarok. But I, if I recall correctly, I believe it eats the sun. But um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not well versed in North mythology. H Haley will tell me. Um, uh, did I say North mythology? You know, we should. You know, let's um, let's have a let's have a guest on next week, and let's just see who we uh who we can get on and then we'll uh, kind of work with them to get a topic and then we'll uh, have them on and have a discussion. Indeed. But, you know, it's funny because one solution that popped into my mind, you know, I always sort of think these things over while at work mm -hmm. and when I'm not flipping my uh, cables all, all around on camera. Mm -hmm. But one thought I had in mind, and this is going to seem somewhat ironic because this does involve the state. Mm -hmm. How would it be if we issued tax exemptions for businesses that paid their workers $15 an hour, a minimum of $15 an hour. That way, you know, if, if you can't afford to pay your, uh, your workers that much, you still can. I mean, and uh, obviously reduce tax, uh, give them like a reduced tax rate, obviously to encourage business growth, mm -hmm. but no, a further tax cut for those who pay their workers no less than $15 an hour. Now, that's actually an effective solution. The problem, I think, is that the state, all it's it's a hungry, it's a hungry wolf. I know. It always wants more. So and they don't want it. Doesn't, it also doesn't help in this current age of you know my way or the highway. Yeah. Is it the doesn't. nicest approach to politics. Yeah. You sound like Tom Woods when you said that. Thank um, you. Uh, nice. <laughs> You look like him when you said that too, but my, my that's, 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 that, see, that's an actual effective solution. Give people a tax credit, like say, okay, let's, let's do a tax cut on our employees. Um, so we're going to incentivize the employees and the businesses to, uh, do you mean employer or the, well, yeah, employer, you know what I mean? you got the employees and you got your business owner, right? Your employer and your employees, yeah. right? You give them a tax credit. I was going to flock to that business. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, you can work overtime and then you don't get taxed as much. The problem is the state that doesn't too. want to- That too, that too. The problem is, is that, that uh, a win-win solution- Yeah, that makes too much sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a win-win solution. And the problem is that it makes the state lose and the state doesn't want to lose. So it has to basically, it's either you grow every, like people are happy and you grow society, you grow individuals and you grow businesses, which is great. Everyone's happier and is more prosperous or- 
you take their resources from them and then the state keeps them and then does with it what's it will. When the state wants to leech out of society even more than it already has, that that's not that's not a solution that's reasonable so then you get the pundits on to like say oh the party line say oh we can't possibly do that or say the only solution that anyone ever talks about is to fix the economic situation is do this one solution and everyone else which is why i think a lot of people are now flocking to third parties myself included right Uh, because you know i mean with me it was it's more of the the cowardice on the republican party yeah driven me to this and uh, it's still in the works and we haven't actually officially uh, proclaimed a name yet. I know that I proposed a name, which I'm really kind of proud of. Yeah. It's, it's the greatest name for a political party ever folks. It's it's uh, the best name. It's the it's best. The best it's, name. It's, it's, I forgot to pucker the lips. <laughs> China. It's, it's, a China. Beautiful, it's a beautiful it's, name. Ask anyone, Believe me. A, everyone will tell you it's the best name ever. <laughs> We're having way too much fun with this, when, and I I had way too much whiskey. When I was in New York, <laughs> when I was in New York, okay, everyone everyone loved. Okay, everything's fantastic. Okay, no, everything's we put Marvel beautiful. in Trump Tower. It's awesome. It's fantastic. I should work on my Trump impression. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful, folks. You, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> wow. Believe me. But the name I proposed. See, that's the nice part about Trump is that you can support the guy and yet you can make fun of him at the same time. Yeah. Like, that, that's fantastic. Yeah, and you make one joke about Joe Biden and it's off to, off to YouTube gulag for you. But yeah. anyway, the, the name I had proposed was... The Dementia! Christian... The political party. Yeah, the... Yeah, Dementia! The... Will you let me speak? <laughs> Keep going. The name I proposed is the Christian Unionist Party. Of dementia. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, with our last meeting, there was was only like three of us on the Skype call. Oh. Out of like 50. You should invite atheists. Don't invite atheists. And here we are. That was a a joke. No, it was, it's funny. It's it's funny. Last week in my writing club, we're we're talking, and my friend's like, "I, I don't know. I had this sudden change come over me." He's like, "What happened?" He's like, "I think I'm a, I'm a theist now. <laughs> don't look at me." And I'm like, "Are you wait? You, the, the angry militant atheist has become a theist." He's like, "I know. I'm losing my identity." And I'm just yeah. like, "I told you that." Me, and I will yeah. complete your training and try copywriting that YouTube. <laughs> No, I said, I, said, I said to her like two years ago, I said, you don't have to believe in the God I believe, but just believe there's some kind of thing out there. And it's like, no, I can't be a theist. No, it's wrong. And now she's like, ah, it's happening anyways. Um, no, I was teasing her for it. But like, yeah, it's like, it's it's kind of cool seeing, being with people as like they develop not only as human beings, but also just like how, they're, how they're, uh, their, their philosophical beliefs change too. And that's really, really cool. Maybe we'll have this friend on sometime. It'd be fantastic. But that's my whole point. Um, and she said the same thing about me too. It's like, hey, it's great you're seeing you develop as a person too. And it's like, it's it, that's the cool thing about being in people's lives is you see them grow, right? And you see their lives getting better. It's like, I want the best for you. You want the best for me. Let's make this happen, man. So anyway, but I digress. Uh, and that's, that I'm going to sort of interject, interject here. That is true love. It's yeah. the desire the highest good 
for another. You, you want to know what I call it? What? Say that one more time, what you just said. I said, love oh. is desiring the highest good for another. You stop that. <laughs> I gotta use up the joke. It's the rule of three, man. But anyway, uh, how are we in time, Mike? Uh, I think we're cutting it a little close, but if we run over, that's okay. I'll just edit down the time. I'm very yeah. good at that. Yeah. But uh, shoot, I lost my train of thought. Bingo card! Hey. They haven't done bingo in a while. I'm disappointed. But... um. We should check with the boys and have a watch party with them. But, uh, stop. I don't, I, what is this? It's a, I don't, I can't help you guys. It's a Honda. That's all I know. Okay. Anyway. All right. So, uh, is it book quote time, Mike? I, I think it is. And I think you said you had a Socrates quote. I do. Quote. So, Mr. Banks, your Socrates quote, please. When debate is lost, slander becomes the tool of the loser. That is true. And I have, I've been hit with this myself, to be honest. Because yeah, I, I had tried to start another YouTube channel years back. I called it the Catholic Youth Corner. And let's just say I made a video and I got burned royally. What'd you get burned for? I'm not going to go into it because I can't even remember half of it. All I know is I got, I touched it. First of all, not funny. <laughs> yes, it was. That was. <laughs> yes, it was. Come on. Just laugh at this, but you got to loosen up. <laughs> Keep going, keep going. We gotta finish the show. Come on. You not only derailed my train of thought, you shot a <laughs> flipping Panzerfaust at the locomotive and blew it to Kingdom Come. Ooh, nice, nice way bringing it back to Germany, y'all. Did you drive your shooting Panzerfaust at the I'm just shooting whatever comes into my mind, and Panzerfaust was the first thing. I could have said Chuck Norris with a BB gun, but uh, uh, even that's a bit of a stretch. So I think we're set. Let's, uh, I think, should we, Mike, should we wrap? I think that's a wrap. So, all right, well, let's give it a good night. And you know what? You want to do the honors this time? Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks for watching our show. Leave a sandwich, react, and a like. Tell us what you liked about the show. Give us your feedback. All feedback is welcome, especially the constructive kind. And let us know what you want us to talk about next week. We love you so much. And don't forget to check us out on Rumble Parlor. Rumble Parlor. Facebook. Facebook. You're obviously probably watching this on YouTube. YouTube. And Anchor and a bunch of different audio oh, the, platforms, the, which I'm not going to go over because say, I cannot say, remember say, them. Say, say the S one. Spotify. Spotify!
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got him just <laughs> Yes! Anyway. We love you guys. Thank you so much for watching. And Pucks at Bonum! So, if you like our podcast, check us out on Parlor. Also, like us on Facebook. Check us out on Rumble. And also, check us out on our podcast platforms of Anchor, Spotify, and what's the last one? Google Podcast. God bless. <laughs>